praise. Hallelujah. You are worthy of it all. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and smile and tell them how good they look in the house of the Lord today. Man, what a blessing to be in the house of God. He is worthy of it all. Man, how worthy the Lord is today. Praise God. Just a word to our church family. Uh, we've been sending out notices uh, about our situation that we're presently in. There has been an increase in the COVID cases in our area. And certainly we don't want anybody to be at risk. And so we have asked that if your children, your grandchildren, you or anybody you've been around has been tested positive, please just stay home for a few days and don't put people at risk. We've got two men in the hospital today that are hanging on by a thread. Fortunately, God has been moving them in a positive direction, but if God doesn't intervene, amen. And so you may not think anything about it, but there's other people that are involved. And I would hate to think that I was careless and I caused someone else to become sick. Uh, so let's be mindful of that. And uh, you, even when you don't believe the report, yeah, go ahead and be cautious. Praise God. With that being said, <clears throat> open your Bibles. We're excited today at the end of service. We've got a couple of people to be baptized, perhaps even more before that's over. Amen. It's going to be my privilege today to get to baptize Jackson Picard, Brother Greg's son. We're so delighted. Tiffany, we're glad you're here today. Amen. He's been asking his dad for a while, I want to be baptized. Now's a great time to do that. And we're grateful for that. I'm going to read from the book of John, the sixth chapter. As you can tell, I am not Mark Morgan. I am Mark Hughes. Brother Morgan was supposed to be here this weekend, but because of a COVID outbreak in their church, uh, they had to cancel uh, any trips or plans. So he'll be with us for our prayer conference in October. Excited about that. But you're going to have to deal with Mark Hughes today. Amen. John chapter 6, verse number 5. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so you probably want to look at the screen. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill. For they wanted to hear him. So he turned to Philip and said, Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. But he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Philip answered, well I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But then Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look here is a lad. Here is a young person with 
five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go with this huge crowd? Mark, in his writings of this same incident, said that Jesus asked a question. And he said, how many loaves have ye? And when they gathered together what they had, Andrew's response was, we've got it, but it's not enough. We've got it, but how far will it go in this crowd? Reading to you from the book of Psalms, chapter 78, verse 41, the Passion Translation again. And it said again and again, they limited God, preventing Him from blessing them. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about when your God is too small. When your God is too small. You can be seated. My spirit has been stirred this past week by these questions that the Lord often asks in Scripture. He doesn't ask these questions because He is hunting information. God is never at a loss as to what is or what is happening or what's going to happen. But He realizes that He is working with humanity that is often limited by only what we can see and only what we have. And so he asked these probing questions. How many loaves have ye? Not so that they would just scramble around and try to find what their resources were, but I feel like he was asking them for the purpose of awakening them. And opening their eyes to the possibility of the moment. What challenging words there are in the book of Psalms chapter 78. And when I read that verse of scripture it is crystal clear to me that the thought that the psalmist is conveying that a tragedy has happened in Israel's life. When God asks a question, He does not ask it for His information, but for your benefit. And so in the 78th Psalm, we find the statement made that again and again, His people limited Him and prevented Him from blessing them the way that He desired to bless them. Now, It is important to understand that the 78th Psalm is one of the Psalms that have been labeled the Asaph Psalms. And Asaph was a a scribe and a singer and a seer under David's leadership and his family was part of the Levitical uh, priesthood that was involved in the worship of the temple. And it seems to me that he was... Uh, a, a preserver of history because almost all of the 
Asaph Psalms have to do with the history of God's people, the part that they have passed through. Its purpose is to hammer home to the conscience of man the lessons that need to be learned from the past. It is also called a Mascael psalm, which means literally that it is a psalm for instruction. It is a psalm for educating and training and equipping and teaching people about the lessons that God wants you and I to learn as we go along through life. We must learn something from what we have gone through. We must remember that God is always in the teaching process when it comes to His relationship to our lives. And there are lessons that He is daily trying to put into us so that we might absorb the importance of them. And in learning that thing, we become enlarged in our life. Isn't it amazing when you graduated from, uh, from simple addition to multiplication that you learned that there's other ways of figuring out the number of things. It can be done by adding, but there's a more powerful way to do it, and that's by multiplication. And so in life, there is this process that we go through of educating our minds and our hearts So that every time we learn a lesson, we are more prepared for what will come and what we will experience in life. And the wisdom that needs to be gleaned is so very important. It is to my detriment and it is to your detriment that we do not learn from what we go through in life. It is a tragedy. When we endure some of the things that we endure, but we don't learn anything from that passage. God has always been involved in the human history of mankind. And the past is simply an interpreter for the present. The good, the bad, and the ugly is all there, but it's all there for a purpose. To give us for this present moment an understanding and a grasp of what could be and should be ours if we only realize it. It is in the stark language of this psalmist that he describes the interaction between God and his people and it is not always pretty, the picture that is written. The Bible says that they provoked him. That means that they rebelled against him. They caused him to be stirred up. His righteous anger was risen in that moment. The Bible said that they grieved him. That means simply that they hurt him. They caused him pain. It says that they tempted him. And that means that they tried and they pushed God to the limit. But of all the things that the psalmist records of, that had gone on in this interaction between God and his people, the provoking, the, the, the grieving, the tempting, to me the greatest tragedy and the one that has perhaps done the most damage not only in their life but in our own lives today 
And that is their limiting God. Limiting. The word limited is a very interesting choice by the writer. It's interesting because it's only used three times in Scripture. One of them is in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21, I believe it is, around verse 13 when David had fled from Jerusalem and he had gone to uh, Gath to find protection. And when he came in, they began to eye him suspiciously and fearful of his life. The Bible said he changed his behavior He began to dribble out of the side of his mouth down his beard and he scribbled on the walls or on the doors of the city and they thought he was a madman. It's used again in the book of of Ezekiel chapter 9 and verse 4 when the angels that are sent down from God to visit his people, one of them is designated to go through the city and place a mark upon every person that sighs and cries over the condition of God's people. And so limited simply means in our vernacular to put a mark on. Or if we want to put it more clearly, to draw a line or to draw a circle. And so when God speaks to us of us limiting him. What he's actually saying is that we have drawn a line in our life and he can be God all the way up to that point. But we don't know about beyond that point. Now this is the same God that had parted the Red Sea and had provided manna for them through the wilderness journey, had given them water to drink and quail to eat. He had caused their clothes to not wear out for that long journey in their wilderness experience. This same God who was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that shaded them from the heat of the sun and the desert This same God who had done all of these miraculous things somehow, somewhere in his people's journey, they came to think that there were just some places God was incapable of going. That there are some things that God is incapable of doing. And so they drew a line or they drew a circle in their life and that's where God dwelt. And my question to you this morning is, are there any circles in our lives that we have drawn that in that circle, within that sphere, God is great and mighty. But when we move out of that sphere, you know, it's amazing that we can come in here and we can worship Him on Sunday and act crazy on Sunday, but then walk out into our Monday and never take what we experienced on Sunday. God is more than a Sunday God. He's a Monday God. He's more than just God at the church house. He's God in the schoolhouse. He's God on the job site. He's God in the shopping mall. He's God where you're driving down the highway. 
He's God all over this world. And somehow you and I have got to have an enlarged conception of Him and realize it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what we're going through. God is there and He is available for us. Amen. And so Israel was guilty of the most devastating of sins. They drew a circle around God and they confined Him to their ideas, their limitations, their weaknesses, their inadequacies. And God is wanting to bless them, but their limitations prevented Him from doing that. The disciples were questioned about the loaves or what was there. What do you have in your possession? And when they brought it to him, they said, we have five loaves. And I love this. Mark uh, doesn't say it, but John records it. That when Andrew came and reported the fine, five loaves and two small fishes. Go read the story in Mark and you put the two of them together. When they finally gave the loaves and the fishes to him and the Lord lifted them up to pray, he didn't mention the size of it. He didn't mention that little adjective that we have to add on to life that restricts the hand of God. He simply lifted what was there and he blessed it and then he began to break it and it began to multiply. I've got some news for you this morning, Greater Life Church. God is not limited by your number. He's not limited by your smallness. He's not limited by your inadequacies. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. Amen. If we're not careful, we can draw a circle around Him. And we, have, we enjoy Him in that circle. But when life pushes us out of that circle, we're not sure. Man, we're, we're, we've been pushed out of a circle in the last couple of years by something called COVID that has rocked our world. And I don't have answers today. I, I can't explain to you other than this, that if God wanted to, He could have prevented all of us from getting sick. But God allowed you and I to go through something and it's not, you can't give rhyme or reason to how it works, but there's some things in life I'm going to have to endure because I am human and because I live in a fallen world and God doesn't exempt me from those things, but He does teach me how to live through those things. And I may be down, but I am not out. I may have been knocked to my knees, but I'm not giving up and I'm not going to turn around. What a tragedy to think that God who created the world, who spoke into nothing and the universe, the stars, the planets, all of the earth and its beauty, its trees and mountains and hills. He speaks the word and these things come in. 
He becomes the mighty deliverer of Israel. He brings them out of Egyptian bondage, an impossible situation. And he expands their destiny. He gives them great promises and he gives them great certainties. And yet when he did all of this, now they place him on a leash. And they draw this circle around him. The God who created, the God who delivered, the God who is desiring to expand their destiny. And now they've given him boundaries within which he's allowed to work and no further. God stood ready to bless them and help them and do all that they needed. The scripture says of Jesus, how often would I have gathered thee? But ye would not. You must understand this morning the same power that enables you to say yes to God is the same power which will allow you to say no to Him. Amen. What a tragedy that we would draw God down into our world instead of letting Him lift us up into His world. And I'm going to stop here for a little while because I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of the problems that we deal with in life, we try to bring God down into our situation. And God said, I'll come if you want me to, but that's not where you need to be. You need to be up where I am. What God wants to do today is not just come and fellowship with you in your sorrows, but He wants to pick you up and take you into a better place. And when you and I understand that that's what He's up against, sometimes it seems impossible that He can ever get through our mind that He really does want to help us. What a tragedy that we would draw God down, but we would never let Him lift us up. Amen. Only heaven knows how far he would have taken them if not for this one flaw. Consider the things God fought to bring his power to sway over them. The provoking, the rebelling, the the grieving, all of those things. And yet God was there working continually. All of this should have made them trust him in their difficulties, but instead... They drew a circle around him and placed a ceiling on him. Not on him, but on their lives. Because you will never limit God, but you can limit him in your life. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about the things that limit God. What are the things that limit him from working? One of them is when we seek only a temporary relief instead of a complete deliverance. It's amazing to me how quickly we become church junkies and altar junkies. And I don't say that disrespectfully, but we get a problem in our life and we have trouble and we run to the altar and we cry and we slobber and we have people crying and praying around us and wear them out. And then we walk out of here and keep doing the same thing that got us in trouble to start with. How crazy is that? You know why we do that? Because we're just wanting a temporary relief. We're not wanting real deliverance. 
And as long as God can make me feel good on Monday, on Sunday, I can deal with Monday. When God said, hey, I want to do something in your life that will carry over into your Monday and into your Tuesday and into your Wednesday and into your Thursday and into your Friday and into your Saturday. I want to be so powerful in your life that no matter where you are, Amen. Only wanting a Sunday life with God, but not a Monday life with God. Amen. We let we set limits to the spheres in which God acts and rules. We shout at church. We praise God like crazy people. We worship like there's no tomorrow. But fail to take him into our homes. When we leave here, we walk out the door and pick up the same fight that we were in when we came through the doors. Amen. It happens in families. You know, it's amazing. My brother's told some stories, and I've seen it too. But you you drive up and sit on the parking lot and just watch how people come in. You watch them come in, and they don't know anybody's looking. And they're going at each other. Well, you could tell there was steam rising out of the top. And when they pull into that parking spot, they're still going at You can tell by the expression on their face. But as soon as that door opens, praise God, hallelujah. We come in here, we dance, we shout, we rejoice. And then we walk right back out and get in that car and the next thing you know, one mile down the road. Because all we want is a temporary fix. Because a real solution is going to take some work. It's going to take some effort and we're going to have to make some changes in our life. And some people have learned to live with dysfunction for so long. They feel like that's how life is supposed to be. Amen. My Sunday life needs to be my Monday life. Amen. The man at the gate, beautiful. I'm going to refer to him again in a moment. But he came and all he was asking for was alms. Think about this. He's at the gate into Jerusalem that leads straight to the temple. The gate beautiful was the greatest gate in the entire city because when you looked through that gate, you saw the full view of the temple. Everything that was worthy of praise and honor was right there before you. And he sits here every day and all he wants today, I just need some alms. I just, I just need you to, Lord, just make me feel good for a moment. Let me have a few goosebumps. And we take our alms and we go home. I'm so thankful that there was a John and a Peter that came along one day. (laughs) I'm thankful that there's a few Holy Ghost filled people still around. And they come in back there going to the temple to pray. And here's this man sitting out there begging for alms, alms, alms. And Peter stops and says, hey, wait a second. Maybe he sensed the situation. Maybe he realized this guy's been here since he was born. He's been crippled since he was birthed into the world. He's been here all of his life. 
We need to tell him there's a better way. And Peter looks at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <laughs> Listen to me. Peter is saying that to a man that has never walked one day in his life. But sometimes God challenges to do things that you've never done before so that you can have what you've never had before. He calls you to do something. You don't think I can do that. I, I don't know. I haven't done this in a long time. But go ahead and do it. Because when you obey him, that opens another door for God to work. And when you obey him, that takes those restraints off of him. Man, number two, we limit him when we judge the present by the past. The man at the pool of Bethesda. All that he could offer the Lord were excuses. All the past failures. I've tried. Every time I try, somebody gets in my way. Every time I make a move, something blocks me. There's an obstacle. And so he views his present opportunity in light of the past. I wonder how many people in this building today are living a life that is limited compared to what God has for you to live. Only because there is in your mind this restraint, this circle that you've drawn around life. And it's all there because of what happened and what you've been through and what you've experienced. And I can't get free because I remember the pain. I remember the hurt. I remember the disappointment. I remember the people. I remember the incidents. I know how many times I've done it and I've never been able to do it. And yet God comes into that situation and he looks that man in the eye and says the same thing to him that Peter said to the man at the gate. Beautiful. Take up thy bed and walk. Why? Because God wanted this man to understand that your past does not have to limit you. That there is an opportunity in the present moment that can change your life. Listen to me. There is nothing that paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things cannot change or never will change. Where did we learn that? We learned that from what we have gone through in the past. And there's nothing that paralyzes our spiritual life more than the kind of thinking that says, I'll never be able to break this. I'll never get deliverance from this. I'll never be free from this. You hear me when God comes into the equation. If he could speak a word and a world come into existence. If he could speak a word and the seed part. If he could speak a word and the wind start blowing. Then I have all confidence today that he can speak a word into your life and it can break every chain. It can break every fetter. It can loose you from everything that troubles you. We limit him when we see the problem, but not the possibilities. His presence challenges everything. It challenges 
everything. It doesn't matter what you and I are facing. He can change anything. Forgive sin. Release the captive. Put new life into a dying soul. The disciples were asked the question, how many loaves have ye? What is it that you have that if God could just get his hands on it, could be transformed? What could God do with what you give him today? It's interesting, and I mentioned this, that they referred to what they have in this diminished term. We see it as a liability. God sees it as an opportunity. We view it as a deficit. I don't have enough. I'm not qualified enough. I don't have the skills. I don't have the talent. And God views it as a deposit. When you take a close look at Jesus' ministry, you will find him asking a lot of questions. But one thing I have yet to read in his word is that he ever asked them what their problem was. He asked them what their desire was. What wilt thou have me do? You see, we are so problem focused that that's all we can think about. I have news for you. God knows no problems. He knows no problems. There is nothing he cannot do. Nothing shall be impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for him to do. So when God is looking into my life, he is not looking at my limitation. He's looking at an opportunity to show me how strong he is and how mighty he is to deliver me. And all I need to do, I need to start erasing some lines in my life and say, God, I'm tired of limiting you. I'm tired of restricting you. Amen. Praise God. What do you see today? Obstacles or opportunities? When you take the limits off, anything is possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul was writing about his plans, placed his life in a situation And I want you to notice how he talks about the opportunities instead of the opposition. He said, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door, an effectual door has been opened to me. Amen. And there are many adversaries. Now, if you and I had written that What do you think we would have written? I'm going to stay, but there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of adversaries. There's a lot of stuff against us. But I'm going to stay and tear it because there's a great opportunity. Where are we placing the obstacles in our life? Where we place them determines how we're going to get over them and get through them. 
Some people view God through their problem. Some people view their problem through God. And there's a big difference. And Paul said, I know there's trouble, but I'm not going to let trouble circumvent the opportunity. I'm not going to let what's wrong override what God is trying to do right. I wonder how many people in this building today, your God is too small because you're allowing the things that are against you today to have more sway in your life than the fact that God is for you and God is on your side and God is here to work in your behalf. I got to hurry. We limit God when we fail to respond to his gentle touch and his voice that calls. When he says, rise up, amen. He may not have known how to do it, but that command will enable you. God's never going to ask you to do something you cannot do. Amen. We limit him, his love, because we think we're unlovable. We limit His mercy when we think our sins are too great to be forgiven. We limit God when we think our problem is unsolvable. It's unresolvable. We limit His purpose by failing to respond to the moving of His Spirit. Amen. We limit God when we fail to trust Him. Amen. Brother Andrew... Anthony, I'm sorry. I want you to be God today. I know you've been wanting to play God. Stand up. (laughs) Anthony's God. I'm coming to God with my problem. God, I need you to help me take care of this. I I need you to... Will you do that, God? All right. Thank you, God. All right. God, you just be God. Go ahead. Go ahead, God. Go ahead, God. Oh, God, please help me. Please, God. Am I trusting God? How many times you can let go now? (laughs) The fact is that's what he was supposed to do. The fact is that's what many of us in this building do all the time with God. We bring our problem to him and we say, and God said, okay. And then God starts moving and we just walk right with him. We still have, because we still have to control it. And if you have to control it, God's never going to do what you need done. He's going to let you hang on to that problem as long as you want to hang on to it. But one of these days, you're going to have enough confidence and courage to come to God and say, God, here's my problem. Thank you, Lord. God, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. Amen. I'm going to worship you now. Yeah. I'm going to praise you now. God, you're going to take care of that. God, I trust you. That's what real trust is. And we limit him when we do not do that. We limit him when we have to keep holding on to something and saying, oh, but God, you don't understand. I need an answer today. Hey, God's not deaf. He knows what my need is. And when I tell him what my need is and I give him that need, he will take it and he will do something with it. Stand with me this morning. Amen. 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 You can never... Have a big life with a small idea of God. 
You can never have a big life with a small idea about God. And the circles that we draw around him with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions are what prevent him. They prevent him from blessing us. You know what? I would love today. I I wish I had a great big eraser that I could just give to everybody in this building. Say, come on, let's, let's erase some lines. God's too small. We've got him in this cute little box. And we, we, we know how to handle that box. But we need something bigger than that box. And I wonder today what kind of lines in your own personal life you need to start erasing. God, I said I trusted you, but then I just kept carrying on. I kept, I kept holding on to that problem. I, I, I kept bringing it back to you every day, every day, every day. And I said, I trust you, Lord. And then I take it right back with me. How many of us today have limited him because... We look around at our present situation, but it's so overshadowed by our past failure that we cannot see the opportunity that's in this moment. How many of us today are limiting what God wants to do in our lives because somehow in our mind, it's just, it's, it's so inadequate. Just a small fish. Just two of them. Two small fish. I love the fact that when I give something to God, He's never concerned about the size of the problem. He's only interested in helping solve the problem. I wonder today, are there any of you here this morning that need to get the eraser out. Anybody? You need to start moving some of those lines. Let God get outside that little circle that you've comfort that you live in. God's Sunday God, but I don't know about Monday God. God's a, he, he's a shouting Sunday morning God, but can He be that stable presence in your life? in the midst of your Monday troubles. There's nothing that you and I need more for our souls and for our future, for our churches and for our families than to be emancipated from this limitation that we have set on God. When God went beyond the bounds of the sectarian mind of the Jew and poured out His Spirit upon the Gentiles. There were some that questioned what God had done. But I'm thankful that Peter stood up and said, Who was I? Who was I that I could withstand God? If God wants to do it, let Him do it. Amen. There is nothing too hard for God, nothing impossible with Him.
and we cripple and maim our lives because we have such a small conception of who he is and what he can do. The poet said, as wider skies broke on his view, God greatened in his growing mind. Each year he dreamed his God anew and left the older God behind. He saw the boundless scheme dilate in star and blossom, sky and clod, and as the universe grew great, he dreamed for it a greater God. I think the poet was trying to capture what I'm trying to say to you today. We need to see a greater God. A God who is able to do exceeding abundantly. He's able to forgive sin. Listen to me. Any of you that are seeking the Holy Ghost, that you're hungry for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to beg God for that. It's a gift. He wants to give that to you. All He asks me to do is just praise Him and open my heart to Him. That's all. You don't have to pray 30 minutes. You don't have to pray 45 minutes. I remember one man years ago that I worked with. He was very reserved and he never, you never saw, hardly ever see his hands up. He was very shy, quiet man. But I just, I kept preaching. I kept believing God. I kept praying for him. And I remember one Sunday morning, he came down to the altar and he lifted up his hands and I saw tears start flowing down. And I got down off the platform to go pray for him. And by the time I got to him, what I heard was another language. I heard him speak. It was not loud. It was not boisterous. And what he proved to me that day and what God tries to prove over and over again is that I want to do this. <laughs> I want to do it. Don't prevent me from doing it. Open your heart and let me come in. If you're hungry for something today from God, just open your heart. Listen to him. Respond to his voice. Respond to his call. If, you, if you've got a problem in your life and you don't know what to do with it, bring it to him. If you're facing situations you don't have answers for, bring them to him. Let's erase the lines today. Let's move the boundaries. Let's take away the marks that we have placed in life that restrict Him and let Him move into those areas of our life that we've never given Him access to. Would you do that today? Hallelujah. Everybody in the building, lift up your voice to Him right now. Everybody in the building, lift up your voice to Him today. Oh Lord, today. Today, 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 today. God, you're great and you're greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you. I bring my troubles. I bring my pain. I bring my sufferings. I bring my littleness. I bring the smallness of my resources. God, they're yours. They're yours, Lord. If you can take Moses' rod, if you can take David's sling, if you can take a lad's lunch, then God, you can take what I have and 
multiply it to meet the needs that are in my life. God, I trust you today. I want to trust you today. I want to trust you today. I want to trust you today. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you, Lord. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you, Lord. Come on, would you lift up your voice to it? God, whatever it is, whatever it is that we have drawn a boundary around, that we put a mark on, help us, Lord, to erase that mark today. Help us to erase the boundaries that we have placed around you and the limitation that we have put on you and let you be God. God in every situation. God over every situation. Lord of all. Lord over our lives. Lord all over our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah.